Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from Three Pines Leadership, and I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to join me here at this space, here at this podcast. So today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, yeah, the world is the world is big and in change right now, and everything's in flux, so podcasts can be in flux too. So I want to just before we dive into anything big, deep and important, I want to remind you to subscribe to us on YouTube on all of our platforms so that you're first to find out about when we have new episodes coming, special episodes, free trainings, extra special deals for our members and more and more and more. And you can find us on all of our social platforms uh, under the username Three Pines Coach Molly or Three Pines Leadership. And they're all up there on the screen. uh, So you can find us on all of those platforms. It's going to be important because um, we're going to be doing something later today that uh, I can't tell you what time it's going to be at. But if you're subscribed, you will get the notification so you can join us for that live event later today. So I have been promising that there's going to be a big announcement coming up. Um, I was going to do the big announcement today, but um, you know what? We're going to spend some time instead focusing on being here and in the moment and on what's going on in the world right now and serving our community the best we can. So we're going to push off the big, big news until next episode. I promise nothing's going to change about it. It's still going to be big and exciting news. Um, But today... I am going to give you something new. After this, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be offering a free training, a free legal legal observer training for anyone who's interested in being part of the demonstrations that are going on around the world, um, being part of them in a way that is supportive of those who are grieving, that is supportive of those who are demonstrating and speaking speaking up and speaking their voices. Um, it's it's a time where there's we need allies we need support Um, and being a legal observer is some is a a position that I've held many times in my life and it I think is a place of great power and great strength to the community as they demonstrate Um, so more information on that is going to come later on in this episode it's going to be later today but I'll I'll tell you more about that soon so this week I've I've spent a lot of time reflecting on on my past growing up and participating in demonstrations of of all sizes from student walkouts to large international um, demonstrations, and I am so grateful for those experiences that I've had, for the people that I've met along the way, for the lessons that I've learned, and for the changes that have been made. Yes, a lot of the work that we push against, a lot of the authority we push back on isn't going to change very easily. But as we continue to push and as we continue to have our voices heard, change will come. I've I've taken a lot of time this week to reflect back and to think of how much has changed in those 10 or 15 years that I've been involved in, in these various kinds of movements and lots has changed. But the biggest thing I never would have even thought to think about years ago is how much generations can change. The number of young voices that are out there right now um, speaking against the, the injustices that they're seeing is incredibly inspiring. So keep doing it, my friends. Keep pushing back and having your voices heard. So 
today I'm, I'm going to do something um, that serves my community and, and serves those who are speaking up. And so today I'm going to share some of the lessons that I've learned along the way. <laughs> yeah. So just a reminder, um, before we dive deep, deep into this stuff, just a reminder that the June live training schedule is out. Um, so this Wednesday, we're doing the Productive Entrepreneur course um, that will help you push your business to the next level, push your community service and your de community development to the next level. It will help you stay focused to achieve the great things you want to achieve with the projects and the goals that you have in front of you. And another little reminder that the Three Pines newsletter, it's getting a complete overhaul. Um, it's kind of been on pause for the last couple months as things have been in shift. So make sure that you're signed up for that. The links will be in the description box, um, but you can find us pretty easy. You can find you can also just run on over to threepinesleadership.com and sign up over there. All right. So, yeah. Here we go. My origin story. <laughs> well, um, I have been involved in demonstrations, we can say, of all sorts of sizes. Um, some small, some big, um, and for a, a variety of different causes as well. I find that solidarity resides in, those in the moments and spaces where we can connect different movements together, um, where we can learn from each other and we can support each other. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about today comes out of um, the environmental movement or uh, women's movements or political movements or anti-war movements or anti-poverty movements um, that I've been part of. But these lessons can be applied to any kind of demonstration that you're going to be involved in. So I started out, I think the first like political activist type of act I was involved in um, was up in my area here. It was environmental action around the um, the extension of a large main artery road into an area that is ecologically sensitive. It's um, the edge of the Oak Ridge's moraine. It's a very um, ecologically important um, space that it's that this road was extended onto, um, but it also crossed the migratory path of an endangered lizard or an endangered salamander, the, the Jefferson salamander. So I was really young when this was all happening, but I was so inspired by um, people in my community who were going above and beyond. And what I was seeing in the grand scheme of protest, what I was seeing was very small actions, very local actions in relation to what um, I was connecting it with because, again, I was a kid, but I was so inspired by the environmental activists on the west coast of Canada and the U.S. who were at that time setting up camps in trees as direct action against logging of these ancient redwood trees, for example. And I was inspired by... Um, French activists who were like dangling off bridges so that they could display their message. So it kind of shook people to, to say, hey, listen up, look at this message. This is important. Um, so direct and indirect kind of actions from around the world. And I was I was like, this is happening in my backyard. So I was very I was very inspired to be part of that. And as I grew up, I I continued to um, 
to find different places of inspiration for my activism. So I grew up in the time of the take no shit attitude of the riot girl movement. Um, and I knew that I had a voice and I knew that it was wrong to sit silent when you saw injustices in front of you and you saw that things weren't working the right way. And so my, my involvement in political action has changed over the years and it has gone from launching teddy bears over the fence at um, one of the Summit of the Americas. It has gone to anti-war demonstrations. It has gone to um, crossing borders where I, for many years, I was involved with the um, SOA Watch or the School of the Americas Watch, which is an organization that um, works to dismantle a very specific program um, at, within the U.S. forces uh, that, is, that trains militias and is involved in um, torture techniques and murder around the world and genocide. And it's just, it's a horrible place. I highly recommend you check out soawatch.org to learn more and to get involved. Um, and those, those demonstrations were so incredibly impactful in my life because they were, they were people from all sorts of walks of life, all sorts of um, reasons to be there. Either they were there because they believed in the dismantling of an overly militarized world, or they just don't believe in the uh, military industrial complex. There was people there who were there for religious purposes. There was people who were there and they go every single year to mourn people who were lost at the hands of graduates of the school. Um, the experience itself at these demonstrations, it would happen every single year outside the gates of uh, Fort Benning in Georgia. And it was an act, it really was a moment of grieving. Um, it was a few days long and the culminating moment in these demonstrations um, was a walk. And we would walk down, the, there's one street that and the gates of the, the military base are at the end, and there's houses that line one side. And over the years, there would be more fences that would go up, and there would then be security cameras, and then there would be uh, police observation towers. And then one year, the, the last year I went, there was helicopters that would fly nice and low, so they would block out the sounds from the, the stage and the speakers, and they would kick up dust, and they would make it hard for us to breathe, um, and it would make us want to cover our faces, yet the rules of the state we were in at the time said that we could be arrested if we chose to cover our faces. So um, I have experienced a lot of um, overstepping authority, let's say that the nice way. I've also been involved in student walkouts from maybe at one point I, I, I have a friend who was involved in liberating a photocopier from uh, the local high school um, to protest the overcharging of students when they went to go print off their required um, essays and papers in order to hand them in. They were charging like $2 a copy at that point, and that was just absolutely absurd in, in many people's eyes. <laughs> I also was briefly part of the Occupy movement um, where I worked as a community educator. And that was a fantastic experience to f work at a very 
local level, at the most local level you could possibly work in, in working with a group of people who were right there in front of you, who had literally made their homes in the space in which you're residing. Um, and it was a, a great grassroots way for everyone to get together um, and to solve problems from the bottom up. Um, that was an incredible experience for me. And then I moved on to working um, on the complete opposite side of that. I started working in policy and I started advocating um, advocating for silenced voices within the structures that were um, ultimately um, overstretching their authority. And that then has led to where I am now, where I spend the majority of my time, my focus and my energy at the community level, teaching and working one-on-one -on -one, um, with people so that they can tap into their own power, so that they can find their voice and they can find ways to effectively have their voice heard, but enact change um, in a way that is, is quick, efficient and, and lasting. So that's, that's my history. So I've, I've worked on both sides and I've worked with both direct action and indirect action. So today we're going to go over some of these tips, histories, experiences, um, and, and things that I think um, if, you're, if you're looking to join these demonstrations or you are part of these demonstrations or you want to be part of these demonstrations, these, uh, this knowledge hopefully will benefit you somehow. <laughs> So the difference between direct action and indirect action. So direct action is what we're seeing on the streets right now. It is people who are putting themselves out there and speaking on their own behalf. They're taking action on their own behalf. Direct action can look like um, mailing campaigns all the way up to um, demonstrating in the streets and and doing those types of action. The other side is indirect action. That's when we ask people to vote. That's where the power of voting comes in. So we want to make sure that we, when we want to create change, we have to look at both direct and indirect methods of doing that. So I'm not discounting either side. I'm saying if you're going out to demonstrate, you better also be going to the polls. And what you can do if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, I don't, I don't feel safe going in and demonstrating on the streets, that's okay because you can still help this change. You can still move this message forward um, with your vote in the, in the voting booth. So make sure that you are educated on when and where you are to vote, at what levels you can vote. And vote in America, you have the amazing privilege of being able to vote for so many different representatives for you. And I, I urge you to take the chance to, to do that, um, to actually go have a say. Whether or not um, certain voting systems are set up to help you succeed with voting, whether or not your your voice is actually heard at the ballot box, that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. The next thing I want to talk about are some of the tactical tips that I want to give you. So first off, before you leave the house, make sure you pack your bag. And in your bag, if you know that there is going to be tear gas, even if you're not doing anything to to cause that tear gas to be thrown towards you. You have to understand that that is the reality of the situation you're walking into. So pack your goggles, pack a helmet, 
pack long sleeves, recognize what is going to happen. Huh. I, I, I really find the immaturity of some people to be absolutely remarkable. <laughs> some people's children. Wow. This is amusing. <sighs> Anyways, let's get back to this. Other thing I want you to recognize is you have the ability right now to do something that we didn't have back in my day. Back in my day, I feel really old. Um, and that is, <laughs> there are government agencies who have actually put it out there and asked you to cover your face. My entire history of demonstrating on the streets was marked by having to know which which states, which provinces, which regions, which municipalities allowed or disallowed the covering of your face. That's, yeah. So right now you have, people are, the government is literally asking you to do that. So I, or I urge you to do that. Why? Because if you are caught on camera doing something that could in any way be skewed as illegal or disruptive, we have lovely technologies out there that are able to connect your face to your identity. So you have a wonderful thing out there right now that is saying, cover your face, put on a mask, do something, obstruct your identity. Just saying. <laughs> and also, I cannot urge this enough. Make sure that if you are demonstrating or if you are out there, we'll talk more about this in the legal observer training later on today but make sure that you have a f you know in your head written down in your brain not on a phone that can be taken away know the number of the organizer of the demonstration and know the number of a lawyer a lot of times properly organized demonstrations will have um, legal representatives um, on site that can help with um, any arrests and things like that. They will co usually coordinate the legal observation team, etc, etc. Make sure you have their contact information um, in case the event that you are arrested. Um, it's, it's super helpful. Alright, so now let's talk about my favorite thing to talk about. Tear gas. Yay! Tear gas sucks. Um, but funny story, I know a handful of people who are in the mino minority of people who aren't, uh, aren't affected by tear gas. Um, yeah, and it's always fun to, to be in those situations where you're being screamed at and yelled at in a, uh, in an environment where you have your gas masks on and you're in lots and lots of tear gas. And of course, of course, everyone will breathe in deeply when they hit that tear gas the first time. Um, and it's disorienting, it's horrible, um, but it, it, I will say it, it's always amusing to, to find that one person who's like, wait, how are you just like okay with this? But yeah, there is a small minority of people who are not impacted by, um, by tear gas. But don't, don't assume that you're one of those until you actually know you are. Uh, just saying. So security forces are legally allowed to use tear gas for crowd control. Um, but there are strict international laws and guidelines around um, how it's used, the way it's used, and the way that it can be deployed against um, civilians in the use of crowd control. 
Uh, when chemicals used in tear gas react with moisture, they can cause a burning sensation. So wearing, like that means your eyes are burning, your skin's burning, your lungs are burning. It's exactly what we need right now with this virus going around. It's perfect. So if you have vulnerabilities to those parts of your body, you are extremely susceptible um, to the impacts of this gas. Also note, oil-based creams, sunscreens, um, makeup, those will also absorb any of the chemicals in the tear gas, um, and that will lead to more burning, more irritation, etc. So avoid wearing those kinds of things when you're heading out into environments that may put you in contact with tear gas. So how can you protect yourself against this stuff? Well, get a gas mask. That's my number one recommendation. Um, make sure you know how to use it. Make sure you have fit tested it before you get into a situation where you need to actually use it. Um, but if you do not have the privilege or the luxury of having a respirator or the time to properly set it up. Um, also, they're not cheap, uh, but they will definitely help you um, stay in the game. Uh, you can also get um, other types of masks to cover your face, but the respirators honestly are what's going to allow you to be able to continue forward. The full face ones that cover your eyes as well and make a great seal around your forehead. Those are the best because they'll help keep your eyes protected as well. Um, they are subject to export licenses in some countries, so make sure that if you are traveling to different jurisdictions, you have the appropriate paperwork for them. Don't give yourself a reason to be arrested or um, bothered in that way. Um, gas masks, uh, They'll have like a rubber seal around your face and then they'll also have rubber rubber seals around the filters. Um, make sure that you have the properly fitted filters and a properly fitted um, face mask, as I mentioned before. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's tear gas. And there's a lot of um, interesting, um, like incorrect rumors I've heard over the years of ways to protect yourself against tear gas. Um, some of them are tiny bit effective. Some of them are absolutely not effective. So for example, uh, there is this idea that um, in order to counter the effects of tear gas, you can use certain types of acidic compounds to soak a rag or a, a bandana or whatever and cover your mouth and then you're not impacted by the gas. So some people will bring lemon juice uh, or vinegar um, in, <laughs> in a pinch. You can also, or back in the day, people used to also like pee on these rags, like if they absolutely had nothing, because that will at least buy you a moment. But if you look at the actual chemistry behind it, it's not going to make a big difference. Um, definitely do not try and rinse out tear gas or pepper spray with water. Um, a, these chemicals are distributed, in, in tear gas at least, the chemicals are distributed as crystals. So as the as they dry on your skin, if you re-wet them with water, they're just going to reactivate and continue to... Um, 
really get in your, like increase the irritation. So lay off on that. Uh, but you will see a lot of people using milk. Milk is a great way to um, neutralize those compounds. So what do you do if you get tear gassed? Okay. So if you have a gas mask, put it on. If you have a mask and goggles, put them on. If those should be able to allow you to continue um, moving forward, even if gas has been um, distributed. There's also some fantastic uh, videos I've seen and like I've seen people do this over the years. But if you take a, um, say they throw a canister of gas at you, um, if you're willing to go close enough to it, it won't explode or anything like that. They're designed to just send off the smoke and disperse the smoke. But what you can do is if you have a road pylon or a large enough um, like box, you can cover the canister with that. It'll disperse the gas within, whoops, it'll disperse the gas within the confines of the pylon or whatever, um, and therefore helping um, reduce the effects of it on other people around you. So that's something you can do. Um, yeah, also make sure that if you are sprayed with tear gas or pepper spray, you are you go and you wash your clothes as soon as possible. Those residues will remain in your clothes and they again, they can reactivate. Um, I've had it that uh, I was wearing a long sleeve shirt. It, the tear gas completely dried. I thought I was in the clear, um, but we continued on. I got really hot that evening and just your sweat reacting against the crystals left on your shirt, really irritating. So um, bring extra clothes if you can um, and make sure that you're also rinsing any equipment you have. If you have phones, if you have camera equipment, pens, pencils, that kind of stuff. Um, you also like recognize that if you're walking into a situation and you have no protection, there is still things that you can do. So make sure you're covering your mouth, your nose, um, any like even your eyes with a handkerchief or cloth and get out of the way of the gas as much as possible. Remember, your airways are um, extra compromised or extra sensitive to um, to the gas and we definitely don't want to make sure uh, we act, uh, we definitely want to make sure that um, your airways are protected uh, when you're when you're using your a handkerchief or a, use a handkerchief don't use your jacket anything on the outside of your clothing um, is going to have contaminants from the gas as well so just keep that in mind um, get into fresh air as soon as you can um, and allow a breeze to carry the gas away. So if you're helping someone who has been gassed, um, a lot of people will try and clamor around them to try and offer help. One thing that you can do is help disperse those people to get as much fresh air flowing around um, the person who has been gassed. Uh, you also want to make sure that you keep your arms stretched out. It will allow the gas to come off of your clothes as opposed to if you hold everything um, tight in together. You want as much airflow around you as possible. And also, I recommend trying to get to higher ground. Um, it's easier to breathe when you get to... Um, to higher ground because most of the agents that they use are heavier than air and they're designed to stay down towards the ground because they're designed to disperse a crowd, right? Um, so their highest concentrations will sit closer to the ground so you'll be able to get cleaner, fresher air um, the higher up you get. 
And remember that gas will go into your clothing um, and it will stay there for a long time, like months and months and months. Um, so clothing that's been contaminated um, should be washed several times or even just discarded. Um, don't just donate it. Um, make sure that you wash it so it's clean enough before you donate it. Um, you don't want to get someone super irritated with residue and whatnot. Um, also make sure that you are washing any exposed skin with soap and water. Um, shower first in cold water. Um, that will help get the chemical off you quicker. And then again with warm water. Um, and do not bathe. Do it in a shower that will rinse the water away from your body. Don't sit in a tub where you're then sitting in that chemical residue as well. And definitely don't rub your eyes or your face um, because again that will reactivate um, the chemicals and cause more um, irritation. So one thing I urge is if you are choosing to go out um, and be part of these demonstrations, ask yourself how you are contributing to the movement, how you're contributing to your community in that time. Um, there's different ways that you can do that. And if you're showing up just to be part of what everyone else is doing, take a moment to think about what you can offer in that time and whether or not you're contributing or you're actually taking away from the message that's being um, spoken at that time. So different things that you can do. I've always been, I've always been an admirer of the group uh, known as Food Not Bombs, which seems to show up at almost every demonstration that I used to be part of. Um, and they were an entirely volunteer-run organization um, that would set up to with the sole purpose of feeding those who came out to the demonstrations. Really wonderful, healthy vegan food um, that everyone could eat and everyone could participate in. And that is a fantastic way to be part of the community, to support your community, and to be an ally. You can also be a legal observer, and that is the position that I hold near and dear to my heart. And I'll talk a lot more about that in the legal observer training that I'm going to be running right after this episode. So you can definitely join me for that one. So if you've never heard of them before, legal observers are individuals who are usually representatives of civilian human rights agencies or who are just civilians who want to make sure that... Um, the cops are held accountable, let's just say that. Uh, they attend public demonstrations and protests and other activities where there could be potential conflict between um, the public and activists and police or security forces, law enforcement or military personnel. And the purpose of these legal observers is to monitor, record and report on unlawful and improper behavior. Legal or human rights observers act and keep police accountable for their action. They act as independent. Th they act as an independent third party within a conflict, conflictual civil protest context, observing police behavior in order to keep police accountable for their actions. Legal observers can write incident reports describing police violence and misbehavior, as well as compiling reports after the event, during and after the event. Um, Again, we'll dive a lot deeper into this later on in the training or later on today in the Legal Observer training. The other thing that you can do is you can document the movement. And a lot of people are doing that now. We have such incredible technologies at our fingertips to be able to get this message out worldwide. 
right now, if you're listening right now, you're on my live stream. You can use this kind of technology to get the message out, to show people the reality of what they're seeing when they go, um, when they're out on the streets. But be careful about what you are filming because um, your <laughs> what you're recording could be used in court. So you have to make sure that you're recognizing that. Again, if that's interesting to you um, or if you're curious about learning more about that, join the Legal Observer training because we do dive in um, to the pros and cons of videotaping um, and video recording of, of protest incidents join. Um, And the other thing that you can do that I am so happy to see um, being reported out there are civilians who are acting as in medical assistance. So you can definitely when you're packing your bag to go out and and to participate in direct action, have some sort of first aid kit or medical kit on you. That can include bandages and splints. It can include tweezers and compresses. Uh, You can get um, Oh, you can get a whole bunch of different stuff, but definitely look into the environment that you're going to be in and what kinds of um, medical supplies you'd want to have in your first aid kit. I also recommend having first aid training um, so that you can help the most possible when um, when one of your fellow demonstrators requires your help. Because remember, we are a community. In order to make any kinds of change, we have to be able to rely on each other. And in order to to make those big changes, if we're deciding that we're, we don't want the help of certain organizations, then we need to be able to provide that help for ourselves. The other most important thing that you need to keep in mind is the most important thing is keeping momentum going. Share these lessons that you're learning. Share these stories that have inspired you to go out. Share these people's names with your friends, your family, and most importantly, with your children. Because as we raise woker and woker generations, I guess you could say, um, we, we take steps closer and closer to living that in that world that we've always wanted to live in. So again, as a reminder, if you haven't heard it for one of the 20th times I've probably said this episode, join me later today for the Legal Observer Training. I have a whole course that's designed to help you understand the roles, responsibilities, and risks of being a legal observer. You can help your community out by standing as an ally and supporting each other and making sure that injustices are not swept under the rug. Being a legal observer is not only a skill that you can use during demonstrations and during protest times, but it's something that you can use any time during your life uh, to make sure that you are reporting on what matters most. So make sure that you join me for that in order to make sure that you get the notifications for all of our upcoming live streams. Make sure to connect with me on the variety of different uh, platforms I have available. So Mixer and Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you know the deal. So that's it for me this episode, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Actually, before I go, uh, for those of you who are interested in being a legal observer, yes, of course, join me at the Legal Observer Training, but I want to direct you towards a fantastic resource, a way to make an impact um, 
directly in the the movement that's happening and I want to direct you to a website justiceforbigfloyd.com and if you go to justiceforbigfloyd.com slash legal dash observer is where you can sign up to be a legal observer um, on behalf of this uh, grassroots law project from the action pack all right so that's it for me this episode my friends i will see you very soon in the legal observer training if you can't join us for that one don't worry it will be posted on our three pines leadership youtube page and again thank you for joining me be excellent to each other be kind to each other love each other and we can get through this everyone remember i love you and be excellent to each other bye for now